Good morning, good evening. Thank you so much for tuning into Devoted with Bernice today. I hope that you're having a joyful day. Um, I feel like this is a great time to just really consider how blessed that you are despite everything. Um, I don't know all your situation, but just really take a pause today as I was just spending time with the Lord you know, being quiet before the Lord, he literally took me back to the first miracle that he did. You know, he did his first miracle at a wedding, a place that is filled with joy, filled with laughter, filled with love and happiness, um, a place that is just filled with food and just fun, you know. And he was talking to me about how he could have literally started his ministry and his miracles by first, you know, being at a funeral. He could have literally started off with Lazarus, come forth. 
but he didn't start off his ministry in a place that was sorrowful, you know, gloomy and morose, but he started his ministry at a place that was full of joy, full of zeal, full of happiness. Even when, you know, they ran out of wine, it was still a place of joy, you know, they were still having fun, they were still in a place of merriness and just love and laughter. And really made me think that, you know, the Bible says that um, we are to have hope, right? Because hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I believe that wherever there is joy, there is hope. Um, And also the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is what? My strength. And so it's important that whatever situation that you're in, you have to find some hope and some joy. Um, I see that the Lord literally really ministered to um, to everybody who start off ministry or everybody that is in ministry that you cannot have dry ministry. You have to laugh. You have to find joy. You have to, you know, be happy because the enemy hates joy. The enemy hates laughter. The enemy hates happiness. So whenever you come to a place where you feel like you've you've really lost um, your sense of joy, go back to the beginning of when Jesus started his ministry off in the you know ministry of miracles, where he started off in a place full of joy. It doesn't mean that just because the place is full of joy that it does not lack something or it does not have something that it's supposed to have, that it does not have, you know, um, warfare, you know, you will have that opposition, especially in a place of joy, in a place where you've set an atmosphere of happiness. There will be some opposition there. But we see that even when the uh, wine ran out, the opposition did not stop them from being married. They didn't even, many of them didn't even know, you know, what, what had happened. When the wine came, they said what? Oh, wow, you saved the best wine for the last. They didn't even know that, you know, the wine ran out. They didn't even, not, uh, not many people there knew it, but they thought the best wine was, you know, reserved for the end of the party. And that's a revelation within itself is that when you press through, and you allow God to do the miracle, and you sustain your joy, you sustain your happiness, you maintain that atmosphere of joy, you will come to the point where the best wine will be the end because that will be a miraculous wine. That will be a wine that only God can get credit for. So I just want to you know, encourage you to be joyful, You know, to know that you are an overcomer. I just played the song Overcomer, I think by either Hillsong or... Um, I don't know who it is by Hillsong or one of those um, uh, well-known worship ministries. Um, I just want you to know that you're an overcomer, that you just have to maintain your joy. You know, the Bible says in, in the Word of God that we have fruits, right, fruits of the Spirit. He starts off with love, joy, peace. You know, it's important to have a place of love, joy, peace. Because the wedding was full of a place of love, joy, and peace. And I think that's what God wants us to hold on to. Um, we stepped into March. And I was asking the Lord what March is, you know, what, what does March mean? What does he has in store for March? And he led me to this. He said, March is a time, a month of 
duplication. A month where you duplicate. Not just anything, but you duplicate what he's already blessed you with. You duplicate what is flourishing. So I believe that this is a month where you have to really uh, be attentive, be focused, so you don't miss your moment, okay? You don't miss your moment and really grab hold on the fact that we serve a God who can give you double for your trouble. We see it with Job, right? We see it with Job. Uh, we see it so much, many times, even Psalms 126. I want you to go back and read Psalms 126. It's about when they came back. They were like those who dreamed. They cried. All their crying has been turned into what? Happiness, into joy. And so I just want you to know that this is a season. I remember... In February, I, you know, God was talking to me about teaching about joy, ministering about joy, um, you know, focusing on what joy is. And so I, I just want you to really ask yourself, are you joyful? Are you happy? You know, it's not what you have or where you are in life that really makes you happy. Happiness and joyfulness is a fruit of the spirit. And every fruit, you have to work at it, right? Every fruit of the Spirit, you have to really maintain it. Every day, you know, I wrote a book, um, The Season of Joy and Hope. I wrote my first book ever. I was on my sick bed with COVID. And I knew God wanted me to write that book. And I finally wrote it. And I wrote it at a time where I had no joy. I had COVID. I could have died, but God didn't let me die. He literally birthed that book out of me. And so I understand, you know, when the book, um, the book came out and God blessed it for it to be on TV, it wasn't just for me to just write it when I'm at a state of joyfulness. No, I was at a state of horribleness and I wrote about joy. So joy is not a, a feeling. It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. So I really want you to press in and really make up your mind and say, you know what, today I'm going to choose joy today, regardless of what you're going through. People have, people have been laid off. There's a lot of people who have been laid off. Some people have had divorces. Some people have lost homes, you know, uh, businesses. You got to maintain your joy. Just as Jesus showed us in his first miracle, a place full of joy. So I just want you to really uh, take time and really revisit the Word of God concerning joy. Look up Bible verses about joy and really start to just stare in that atmosphere of joy, just that atmosphere of happiness. Because there are people who've, you know, gone through a lot of crazy things in their lives, but they still smile. And when you do that, you throw off the enemy. The enemy is like, whoa, what, what, wait, wait a minute. I'm trying to take out all the joy in your life and you're still laughing and giggling and being happy. What's going on? Because the Bible says that, you know, a lot of people in, 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 uh, in the church says, this joy that I have, the world cannot take it because the world did not give it to me, right? Have you ever heard somebody say that? The joy that I have, the world cannot, the world cannot give it to me and the world cannot, cannot take it because the joy of the Lord is your strength because he's the one that gives you joy and so if god gives you joy nobody can take it away no one not a single person not a single circumstance can take it away okay so i just want you to revisit your joy 
wherever it is, just revisit revisit it. And when you are basking in worship with the Lord, just really take a moment. Yes, Lord. Take a moment and just ask God to just fill you with the fruit of joy. Just fill you with the oil of joy. Okay? I'm going to share this that God is telling me to share with somebody. And I know this is for somebody that needs to hear. I remember um, years ago, uh, I heard uh, a guy. I heard about a guy who lost his job. He lost his job. And you know what he did? He took himself and his family to the movies. And they had the best day ever. They had a joyful day. They went to the movies. They went to a restaurant. They had a good time. And this is a man who lost his job. That same day, he didn't go home and, and, and cry and, and be sad. No. He was like, you know what? He's going to have a good time. So he took himself, his wife, and his family his boys, and they went out and had a good time. They went to the movies. They went to get food. They enjoyed themselves. And so whatever circumstance you're having, I want you to take today. Do something fun. Do something you love. Do something great that will bring joy and laughter to your face. Do not give the enemy room to make you feel sad or morose or just giving up. No. Pick yourself up. Do something fun today, something memorable, so that you contradict what the enemy wanted to do in your life. When you hold on to joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right, it was Overcomer by Elevation Worship. Okay, that's what it was. <laughs> I forgot, I was like, maybe tail song, I don't know. But it's one of those, I, thought I, was, I was thinking it's one of those. Anyway, um, I hope you guys are feeling great today. So today we're going to be talking about Joseph. Uh, the little sound, it's my computer. <laughs> so sorry about that. Anyway, we're going to be talking about Joseph. We're going to continue our Joseph um, teaching. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to give some a uh, prophetic word that God was giving me concerning um, two things that he was talking to me about. Uh, one thing was back in no, um back in February, I think um early February he was talking to me about this and I held it. I didn't really want to talk about it until he released me to talk about it on here. I did post about it on my Facebook. Um one thing I've realized in ministry is that people um who are not skilled in deliverance in healing um they might have a teaching grace or a pastoral grace, but but you're not really um, in tune with discernment, the gift of discernment, the gift of healing, the gift of deliverance, even compassion. And so what I've, what I've picked up, the Lord want me to share is this, is that in ministry, you don't ever have to put together a scenario to see if somebody has a demon in them. I've realized that people who are not skilled in ministry of deliverance, healing, and even prophecy, they don't know how to identify a spirit in somebody. Because if you truly walk in authority, if you truly walk in the mantle of healing and deliverance, you will not have to um, fish out a demon in somebody. The person will manifest around you somehow, some way. Not just that, but the Holy Spirit will, will tell you 
what's going on in the person and even if you are really somebody who walks in compassion and also in healing and deliverance gift you'll be able to feel the things that that the 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 um the things that are happening in that person in you you will be able to 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 bear one another's burdens people who walk in deliverance and healing and, and um in a ministry of of really seeing people people be set free, they are able to feel each other's burdens. They are able to, they are able to, to bear one another's burdens because when you are around such a person who's oppressed by a spirit or even oppressed by an illness, you will start to feel what the, the spirit is doing to them. So if somebody has a, you know a, a spirit of anxiety or depression or headaches or whatever it is, if the person is near you, you start to feel what you're feeling. You might have a headache because they're having a headache. That is part of those who have been mentored with deliverance and healing gift because they have the compassion to go, go along with that gift. What I've realized is that in, in ministry, people are trying to fish out spirits in people that they think they see by putting together a scenario to, to see if the person would take the bait. And when you do that, you are walking in the flesh. It's not the flesh that breaks the yoke. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. When you are, are trying to see if somebody have a demon and you put together a scenario to see if somebody will fall into temptation, you are then moving in the flesh and you are behaving like Delilah because you want to see somebody's weakness. You want to figure out what their weakness is. But if you truly walk in the authority of what God has called people who are who are mentored with healing and deliverance, you would never have to put yourself in a predicament to see if somebody has a spirit. Because just as the demons came to Jesus and said to him, what do you want with us? Those demons will manifest around you all the time. You would not even have to do anything because demons love attention. They want you to know they are in there. So trust me, they will manifest around you if you have authority, okay? And God is warning those that are trying to put together a scenario to see if somebody has a spirit. When you do that, you're opening a door for the enemy to come in. You're opening doors for demons to come in. Because not to come into you, but to come around the atmosphere where you are putting together that scenario. And what do I mean by scenario? If you think somebody has an alcoholic spirit in them, and you try to bring alcohol around that person to see if they will flinch or if they will want to drink it, you are out of order. How are you out of order? You are out of order because you are putting yourself into a place where somebody can fall into temptation if they have that spirit. And that's a big if. One thing about me is that whenever I I sense that somebody might have a spirit, I ask the Lord to confirm it. I don't just go along and just, yep, that person of a spirit, I sense it one time, and then that's it. No, I make sure that I ask the Lord, I seek 
God to confirm it to me if what I'm seeing is true. Because just because you pick it up a spirit from somebody or you're, you're discerning something from somebody, it might not be them. It might be somebody in your family. It might be somebody in your job. It might be their boss. It might be a friend. It might be somebody that you're, that you're associated with that you're picking up something from. So it's important that you have to go into prayer and seek the Lord and ask him, God, what are you saying? Because if you don't do that, what you do is that you go against Romans 14, 13 to 23. Do not cause another to stumble. Okay, this is something I want to say. Demons are attracted to smell, noise, any kind of sound that is not godly, and images. Okay, so if you are somebody that says, you know what, I'm sensing this spirit on this person, and you try to put yourself in a way to entice the person to see if they have the spirit in them, what you just did was you opened a door for that specific demon that you're trying to arouse out of that person to come around that place. And the thing about demons is that they need a little bit of a foothold. That's all they need, a little space to enter, okay? That's all they need, a little space and a opportune time, right? Because when, when, the, when the demon, when, when Satan left Jesus, what did he say? He went away to look for an opportune time to return. And so when you put yourself in that predicament, you are actually opening door for an opportune time for these spirits to come. So if somebody has a, 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 uh, an issue or you're picking up an issue from somebody, you do not bring alcohol around that person and say, okay, I'm going to just put this alcohol here to see if that person will take it and drink it. Because if that person has that spirit in them, you just really causing them to stumble. And if they don't have that spirit in them, you are introducing them to something that might even be a generational curse in their family that they don't want to be part of. And now you're trying to arouse a generational curse. You don't know the whole chapter, the whole story, the whole journey of a person. So I've never seen in the Bible where God put together a, a, a something to see if somebody has a demon. No. Even the disciples, they never did that. The demons themselves you know, manifested out of the, themselves when they were around because they had authority. And those that don't have authority have to put themselves in a predicament to see if somebody has a spirit. And God is not in that. God is not in that. That's a Delilah spirit. Okay? It says in Romans 14, 13 to 23, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love by what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So I really want to urge you that if you want to see if somebody has a spirit, you don't have to put together a scenario. Oh, if you think somebody has a, you know, a um, addiction to smoking weed, and so you bring weed around them, guess what? The, 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 the presence of weed alone, of, of that sin you're trying to create or trying to you know, uh, bring out so that you can see if somebody have a stronghold or a spirit, already open a door for demons of addiction to come in the room. And the more somebody is exposed to something, 
the greater effect is going to cause in them. Especially if the person doesn't have that spirit, what you're doing is that you're trying to lure them because because what we are we are we are flesh, right? We are flesh. So now you're trying to lure them to take the bait. And now you're actually being used by Satan himself. Okay? I'm going to share this. I remember one time the Lord told me I was going to help out at a uh, a ministry event. And that was a men, men's um, conference. And as I was, uh, you know, getting ready for to go that day, that week, God was talking to me about the type of men that were coming because we were praying for the, you know, for those men that are coming to the ministry, of course, you know, the ministry event, of course, there are those that were having troubles with your, you know, in their marriage and all of that. But one thing that they got, that God really highlighted to me was that there were men there that were coming, that were having issues with lust, really strong issues with lust. And so what God told me was that, like, Bernice, you know, this, this is the type of man that I'm bringing there. I, I really need them to be delivered and all of that. And so I was praying, and, and God was talking to me. He said, you know what? I want you to dress modest. Yes, I always dress modest, but I want you to dress extremely modest. And I did that. I didn't go there. I'm like, oh, okay, God was talking to me that y'all have, you know, um, lust spirits. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to wear, you know, a V-neck outfit and come and see if you do have lust spirits. No. It could have been generational curses of lust in your family that they are the ones that are supposed to break it. Or it could be that, yes, they have lost spirits like the Lord was telling me. Of course, I know when God says something to me, I believe it. But it could be so many ways. And so what did I do? I dressed modest, extremely modest, and I went there. Praying not to ever be a temptation for somebody that's coming there. Maybe they might be coming there to pray on behalf of a friend that they know is addicted to porn. Okay, I didn't go there like, oh, let me see. Let me put myself in the flesh and try to cause stumbling or try to cause a scenario to see if these men have this issue. Because if I do that, I'm behaving like Delilah. If I do that, I'm behaving in the flesh. But I didn't go there like that. I went there modestly dressed, extremely modestly dressed. Okay, so I want to really urge you that if you're somebody... In ministry, do not ever put together a scenario to see if somebody will take the bait or be tempted or be, you know, you want to you wanna see that person has a spirit, a specific spirit that you think they might have or somebody might, might say they, that, that that person has. You don't have to do that. If you truly walk in deliverance, if you truly walk in, in, in healing, you don't ever have to see put together a scenario to see if somebody has a spirit. The Lord himself will reveal it to you. He will. Trust me. He will. One thing I'll say, I remember I went to, uh, I went somewhere and I, I, I met this girl. And I'm not going to say where I went. But I, I, you know, I met this girl and she wanted to help me with something. And, you know, it was great that she wanted to help me. But I didn't feel right. I, it just did not sit well with me. She wanted to help me. And I'm like, oh, you know, wait, um, hold on. Wait a minute. Let me just, you know, just come back. Just, just, just come back to me, you know. And so I sat, I sat there and I was, you know, thinking about what I was sensing, what I was discerning, what I was feeling. I was like, what is this that I'm sensing, Lord? 
And then she came back again, trying to help me again. I'm like, and then I, I, I looked at her and I discerned what it was. And I was like, oh, you know what? It's okay. Thank you. I don't really need help. I'm good. I can figure it out. Thank you so much. And, you know, she worked there, you know. But I, I just, it, it did not sit well with me for her to help me with that specific thing. And it doesn't mean that she wasn't, you know, um, usable or God didn't want to use her. It wasn't a place of ministry at all. It was just a normal place. But I just didn't feel right that she wanted to, you know, do what she wanted to do. And so I remember um, I, you know, I did I did my thing. I, I, I made it happen. I left the place. That night, the Lord revealed to me, and I'm not going to go into detail how God revealed to me, but um, I saw, I, I was like at a place. I was at a, a bridal store, and I saw like all these women like dressing in their bridal outfits, in their, in their white gowns. Everybody was so happy. It was just a beautiful time. You know how us ladies, like we love to play dress up. Like, all these women, like, dressing, you know, getting ready for their weddings. Like, really, like, have all these beautiful, beautiful gowns. Just so pretty. And I was just, you know, happy, like, seeing all of that. And then a door opened, and I saw the girl that I saw that day. I saw her come out. And she was not wearing a white dress. She was wearing men's suit. She was dressed like a man. And so what I was picking up from her, God revealed it to me that night. So when I I got the whole confirmation, I, I got up and I was like, oh my gosh. The Lord just revealed to me what I was sensing. I did not have to put together a scenario in front of the girl, you know, to see if there's a demon inside of her. I didn't have to do any of that. I was picking up that spirit in her. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm sensing this, you know. I didn't put myself in a place to cause her to stumble. I didn't put myself in a place to see if she has that spirit. Because if I did that, demons of that spirit will come around. But instead, I went to the Lord and I asked him to confirm what I was seeing. So that's how you walk in compassion. That's how you walk in the ministry of healing and deliverance. I didn't have to put together a scenario in front of her to see if she had that spirit. I was picking up that spirit. But I needed to get confirmation from the Lord. Is this her or is this somebody in her job? Or is this somebody that is her leader that has that spirit, okay? And so God really want to highlight the fact that if you're doing this, you need to stop because you're not walking in the spirit. You're walking in the flesh. When you put together a scenario to tempt somebody to see if somebody has a spirit, you just came out of your whole demeanor of being a child of God and you're walking in the flesh. You're behaving like Delilah. Delilah was consistent. She was trying to see the weakness of Samson, putting together all these little scenarios. I've never seen in the Word of God where Jesus or the disciples put together a scenario to see if somebody has a demon. 
No, because they walked in authority, the, de- the demons themselves manifested around them without them doing anything. So if you are doing this, there's a warning to you. Stop it. Because if you don't, the demon itself will enter you because you are out of alignment. You are working and working in the flesh when you do that. Instead, you got to use your senses. You have spiritual senses for a reason. You have discernment for a reason. You have confirmation from God for a reason. God can give you a Bible verse and say, read this Bible verse. And you read it and it's like, oh, deaf and dumb spirit? He will tell you to, he will give you a Bible verse to where the man brought his son to, to Jesus, to, to the disciples, and they couldn't heal him. And Jesus is the one who cast out the deaf and dumb spirit. God will lead you to the word of God and say, read this chapter, read, read this verse. And that's how he could confirm to you what you're seeing and what you're sensing, if you are sensing that at all. And if it's wrong, he will tell you. You don't have to put yourself in a predicament. He will use your senses. He will use your spiritual gift. He, he will use how he's talk, he talks to you. He will bring somebody with that same issue around you to confirm it to you that that person has that thing. Or he will bring something around to show you that that person has that issue. But he only does that when he can trust you to keep it to yourself and to pray for the person. I know so many things people are struggling with. That God has told me that leaders are struggling with. That God has told me. But I will never say anything out loud. Why? Because he trusts me to show me those things. To keep it to myself and pray about it. Okay? So if you're doing those things, trying to put together some fleshly scenarios to see if somebody has a demon, you, 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 are, you don't walk in authority. Mm-mm. You don't want an authority and you are not called to the ministry of healing and deliverance at all. Because people who really walk in authority, them demons come to you. You don't go and fish, up, fish out a demon. Them demons, they know you. When they see you, they manifest a lot. You just pretend you don't see it. You, you, you just keep walking. Okay? All right. So now I want to take a little break. Let's listen to our song. And then I'm going to pray us in. Because I didn't pray us in. And then I'm going to release that one prophetic word. And then we're going to, you know, see what God does today. Pour out on us. Won't you pour out on us? 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 Say it. Won't you pour out on us? Oh God. Won't you pour out on us? That's what we want. Won't you pour out on us? Oh. Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Say pour your oil on us. Pour your oil on us. 
thank you right now for your manifestation of just conviction and redefining and refining your people and this time i just pray and i yield myself to you as i just really release your revelation and your word and your new wine that you want to birth out i pray for your hand upon this message i pray for your revelation i pray god for um, whatever it is that you want to bring from the court of heaven today for your people to listen to and to just minister to your hearts god and your minds and your motives as well i ask you that lord every distraction will be removed and your focus on you god will be elevated i ask that lord those that need a word from you that father your word will come out as a rhema for them today that everything that they're going through, you know, you see it all. You are a God that is just. You are a God that is loving. You are a God that is in control. And so they will wait on you and not tarry. They will wait on you and know that, Lord, your word does not tarry. That it will come forth in its time, in its due season, and in its due time. In the meantime, I just pray for anyone that is... Anyone that is dealing with unforgiveness in your heart, Father, I ask you to reveal it to them. That they will be able to release that unforgiveness and let you be the one that brings conviction. Let you be the one that brings judgment, Father, because you are just, just God. And so I pray and I surrender this moment to you. And it's in the name of Jesus we do pray. 
Amen. All right, so I just want to share this prophetic word for USA. Okay, as I I was worship um yes I was worshiping yesterday, um, the Lord took me through several conversations, um, and what he 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 was talking to me about. He started off showing me, um. USA, the flag of USA being set on fire. And the fire was not red, it was blue, okay? Um, the fire was not consumed. It did not consume the, the flag. Uh, but it was just like the flag was in the middle and the fire was all around it. So it was like the symbolism of when Moses saw the burning bush that was not consumed in Exodus 3. So that's what God is showing Concerning USA, USA is about to encounter uh, a take off your shoes, for this is, for the ground that you are standing on is holy ground. Moment, okay, take off your shoes for the ground. The ground that you stand on is holy ground, and this encounter, you know, I pray that God will send it to the east, west, south, and north of USA. Um, and as I was, I kept looking. The Lord showed me a sword he was talking to me about a sword and the sword is of course the word of god that came on usa then i saw a lion and out of the mouth of that lion came fire red fire and then the spirit of deliverance was released and after this moment of conversation that god was having with me he he referenced the book of Acts, Act two, and that and Acts two is a, you know, uh, in the Word of God, Acts two is about when they encountered the Holy Spirit, um, the the disciples, those that were the forerunner apostles that Jesus trained up, they literally encountered the the Holy Spirit, and there was healing right during that time, there was deliverance. Um, there was the manifestation of God's glory. That's when Peter preached to the crowd. Um, and also, that was when um, the church really got to have a place of community, right? The believers formed a community. They formed a fellowship where the apostles were teaching and fellowshipping and sharing meals with them. They devoted themselves to those things. And so... Uh, I believe that when this encounter happens, there'll be that act two manifestation, that act two, doing life together, uh, preaching the word of God, having an encounter with the Holy Spirit will happen. And so USA, you are on the mind of God, okay, for, for encounters like the burning bush encounter. So I pray that the Moses will, will with the heart of humility arise, those who will bow down, at the feet of God and see the manifestation of the burning bush will arise. Those who have died to pride, greed, self-entitlement, those that refuse to submit to the movement of the world and instead yield to the movement of the kingdom of God arise from the east, west, south, and north. They will arise in Jesus' name. And yes, I know that you know Moses had a pride moment, but that was later on. Um, so I just pray right now that God, this encounter that you're you're showing us, will be an encounter that we'll be able to steward well. Yeah, steward well. We will be able to steward it well. 
so that it would grow into other places, other nations as well. An encounter is coming, says the Lord. A reset and redemption is coming. We say yes, Lord. We say yes, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, God of Gods, the I am that I am. We say yes. And I wanna I wanna read Exodus three five. It says, God said, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And this is, you know, the demonstration of God, his his covenant with us, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at the end, Moses hid his face, and that's the fear of God. God is trying to bring back the fear of him into the world because those that are really in fear of God, and fear of God is not, oh, I'm scared of him. Fear of God is I reverence you. I fear you like how a child fears their parent. They're not scared of their parent, but they, they have an honor, the type of honor and respect for the parent. And so the fear of God, you know, is the beginning of wisdom. And that's what God is trying to bring. Is He's trying to revive within us the fear that we need because there's so many people in this world, in this country that don't fear God at all, even in ministry. They don't fear God at all. They do what they please. They do what they think. They think they're untouchable. But this is the time God want to really bring an encounter that will bring a fear back into USA. Amen. All right. So, God, we just pray into this that whatever you want to do, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done as it is in, on earth, in heaven. Let it be on earth, in this state, in this country, in this world, God, that it will start from the east, west, south, north of USA. The things that you want to manifest will happen to no man, no spirit, no principality can ever stop what you want to bring into this country. That spirit of encounter, that spirit of fear of you, God, the fear of God, your encounters, God, the burning bush encounters, that holy ground moment, we say yes. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. And also for you, I say, um, I prophesied this when I released the word of the Lord for 2023. There's going to be a time where there's going to be, um, you know how when abortion was overturned during the time that they were trying to overturn it, people were out, um, you know, protesting and all of that. There's going to be that, but not for abortion. It's going to be for um transgender the lgbt homosexuality movement that is going on that is completely an abomination to the lord so i need you guys to pray because i am truly believing that this year 2023 that god is going to do something with the rights of those uh, people that live in in the sodomy and gomorrah lifestyle and those rights that have been um, established in the courts, in government, that it will be overturned, that it will be overthrown, overturned, and that the the mountain of influence of family will be restored. Um, the enemy is really after family because there's been so much divorce and also so much of garbage that is being taught in the schools 
to basically destroy the understanding of identity in these little children. And so we have to pray because I really believe that God is going to do something about um, the Sodomy and Gomorrah, you know, demonic assignment of the enemy that is sent against children and also against the priesthood of family. Um, and so let's pray. I really see God doing something this year. And I'm believing it totally, a total, complete overturn of marriage. Uh, Same-sex marriage will be overturned in Jesus' name. That the institution of marriage will be between a man who is born a man and a female who is born a female. That it will be between a man and a woman. Marriage will be defined as that. And even um, gender identity will go back to male and female, no longer them, they, and all of that nonsense that is going on. So I want you guys to press in and pray because uh, this is something that's heavy in this country. And I'm praying that the place that it started in Texas, that it will be overthrown there, even there, in the name of Jesus, that it will be overturned there, that people will come together and pray and bombard heaven on behalf of the priesthood of family. Amen. Let's pray, church.
right, so we've had a time of prayer, time of songs, time of prophecy. Now I want us to go into the word. Um, before, I wanted to talk about Genesis 39, about Moses, I mean about Moses, um, about Joseph. <laughs> we just talked about Joseph, so we're going to talk about, um, we just talked about, okay, Lord, what are you saying? Obviously, he wanted me to talk about Moses. All right, so um, I want I want us to visit the story of Moses. Right, Moses was drawn out of water, and that same water he he was able to part it and help the Israelites move out of a place of bondage, a place of slavery, into a place of freedom. Uh, he didn't lead them to Jericho. Jo- Joshua did. But he was able to accomplish some of the things that he was able to accomplish. And he was a man who God spoke to mouth to mouth. He was not He was not a man who relied on visions and dreams like Joseph. But he was a man who was a friend of God. Um, though he was a man who... God used miraculously. He did, he disqualified himself in his own eyes. He had issues seeing himself as usable. And I believe what God wants us to learn from the story of Moses is that whatever your stumbling block is, or maybe you might have some disqualifications, you know, because we know that Moses stumbled, you know, he, he stuttered, right? Even myself, I used to stutter when I was a little girl. Um... And I believe that people who God has called to be a voice uh, have encountered those type of stuttering, you know, those that really have been anointed to speak the word of God and to proclaim the word of God and to use their voice as an instrument to draw people to God and to help save people and deliver people. Those are those that I've come to realize that they, sometimes the enemy try to shut them down as a little child. But we see that with the, with the story of Moses, Moses did not shut down. Yes, he said, oh God, look at me, I, I can't talk. But then the, the Lord rose up Aaron, you know, uh, and even Mariam to go and be with him. And so his little issue the Lord himself is the one that created Moses. He knew what Moses' dis- disqualifications was in his eyes. But the thing about God is that your disqualifications is not his disqualifications. You might think, oh, God, I'm too short. Or, God, I'm too skinny. Or, God, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I wear bifocals. Or, oh, Lord, I, you know, I, 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 you, you only have a high school degree. Or... You might only have a college degree or you you don't have any degree or you you fornicated all your life or you popped and locked it in the club. So you think God cannot use you? Well, guess what? God can use you. Whatever it is, yes, pride is a horrible thing that Moses had to encounter. That was a test, a test that he didn't pass, right? Um... God was trying to fish out of him that spirit of pride to literally, like, burn it down. Um, God knew, you know, that Moses had a pride issue. But the thing is that the Lord is the one that tests us, not humans. Humans don't test us. Humans should never test us. God should test us. And, And God tests 
is a test that will never cause somebody to fall deeper into temptation. I heard a preacher tell me, a preacher preach one time and said, uh, whenever God is testing you, the enemy has temptation right around the corner. Uh, whenever God is testing you, the enemy has temptation right next to it. Because if you don't yield to God's test, you will yield to the enemy's temptation. And that's why he always gave us a way out. Right? So, God tests. Humans should not test. God knows how to test his people. It wasn't human beings that tested Moses. It was the Lord that told Moses, I want you to do this. This is how I want you to do it. And Moses did it how he wanted to do it. Because when God tests you, he knows how to test you, not beyond your limitations. He knows how to test you so that you don't fall into temptation. So I see that God wanted to just bring this all around again from from what I shared. Let God do the testing. Let God do the testing of his people. When he tests his people, he will sometimes have you there to see the test happen. And sometimes he will not have you there to see the test happen. Okay? So let God do the testing. He tested Moses, because Moses is his friend. He knew how to see what was happening in Moses. He knew how to identify things in Moses. Okay, so let the Lord himself be the one to test, not you, not you human beings. Let God do it. And there have been times where God will lead. Oh, yes. Do not be Holy Spirit number two. <laughs> That's what God is saying. Do not be Holy Spirit number two. There are times where, oh gosh. I remember one time somebody wanted to be a, an armor bearer for me. And the person came and sat next to me. And I was like, I was praying. I was like, Lord, show me what I'm not seeing. And the Lord showed me what I was not seeing right there. I looked in a person's eyes and I saw it. I saw the spirit. I did not have to be Holy Spirit number two to do anything to see if the person had a spirit. No. I just sat there and the Lord showed it to me. Okay. So if you're trying to be Holy Spirit number two, you're going to be defeated because there was only one Holy Spirit. There is not Holy Spirit number two. Leave the test to the Lord. Let him reveal it to you privately. And that's a warning. I, I really feel, I felt so strongly about this when I was sharing it a um, couple weeks ago. Okay? You guys are opening doors for demons to come around when you start to move in your own might to see if somebody has a spirit. You're opening the door for the spirit of Delilah to enter you and try to see somebody's weakness. If you're truly a friend of God, somebody's weakness will be shown to you. You would not, and you, and honestly, you will be like an Abraham and try to contend for the person. Try to contend and pray for the person. God, please just deliver them. You will not go around 
proclaiming it to everybody or saying it to everybody. If you truly, if you're truly really a child of God and truly a friend of God, you you would not do that. You will cover your neighbor. You will cover your sister and your brother in prayer instead of go out there and spread it to everybody. Um, I believe that people who do that, they just... It reminds me of um, Nehemiah 6 when the enemies of Nehemiah tried to plant a deceitful lie on him and they said, oh, you're trying to be the king. You, you're raising up prophets and you, you're trying to be the king. They told, they told Nehemiah they want to they, they um, meet with him and Nehemiah said, no, I, I cannot leave my, my work to go meet with you. And, and they tried to conspire against Nehemiah. But Nehemiah kept building and, and you know, ignoring them. And they tried to spread rumors about Nehemiah. And that's the thing about, you know, people who the enemy uses to intimidate you. They will, they'll be the one to conjure up a lie and then spread it to everybody. But if they truly were people of God like Nehemiah, Nehemiah discerned that those people did not talk to God. They knew he knew it. He discerned it, and so what did he do? He didn't go around and saying these people are wrong and they're mean and they're horrible and and you know, no. He 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 didn't he didn't talk about them. He went to the Lord and said, God, remember what they have done. Remember, and that's it. And he went on and did his job. That's what a true child of God and a friend of God does. They don't they don't go around and spread things. No, they pray. So, um, yeah, I think I'm done talking about this issue. Um, but again, really, um, really go into prayer about this because if you're somebody, yes, Lord, uh, God is saying that if you're somebody that has done this in the past or even doing this now, repent, 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 repent for trying to be a stumbling block for somebody to see if they have a spirit. You don't, you don't ever have to do that if you walk in authority. I was just so amazed when I saw somebody doing that in front of me. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> what are you doing? I was praying for the person. I was like, oh, Lord. You know, the gift of knowledge, you just pick up things. And I'm like, oh, no. That person is literally opening a door for demons to come around this place. And so I went into prayer. And I was praying. I was dismantling. And I was like, Lord, just minister to that person. You can't do that around. No, you can't do that. Especially if that person that you're trying to see if they have a spirit, doesn't have a spirit, and that, that spirit comes around, it needs somebody to enter. And it will enter you. So, um, I don't think that God shows things to, to, you know, to me, to just show it to me, but I really believe that he wants to, um, refine his people in ministry. So I need you, if you're somebody who, um, who has really done those things, repent, just repent, repent and tell the Lord, you're sorry that you allowed the enemy to use you as a, as a Delilah in his church, in his ministry, out there in the world 
and re- rededicate your senses back to the Lord. Re- rededicate your gift of discernment back to the Lord. Rededicate your gifts back to the Lord and tell the Lord to refine it and to help you to, to, to talk to you with those gifts so that you're able to walk in authority and not the flesh. Amen. Let our worship rise tonight, God. We'll pour our love on you. Break open our box. Give you everything. From here to there, worship is filling the atmosphere, both now and then. Songs of your love will never end All day and night As we bow down our praise will rise Inside and out All that I am will shout And my worship rise Like a sweet perfume
to repent and let the Lord minister to you. So now I want us to look at this. Um, I want us to look at First Corinthians nine. Uh, First Corinthians nine. I want us to look at that because God was talking to me about First Corinthians one to nine when I was preparing for um this podcast episode. So take out your Bibles. I'm going to read from the NL, the NLT version. I know I read from the New King James Version. I have not let it go. I just felt led to read from the NLT version right now. Okay. So it says here, Paul gives up his rights. Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus, our Lord, with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. I'm going to read that again. Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. 
You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us as as the other apostles and the Lord's brothers do and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and does not and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it threads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us, so that the one who plows and the one who who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I have never used any of these rights. And I am not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. What then is my pay? Is it the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone? That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am the Gentiles, when I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. I share their weakness. I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. 
doing everything I can to save some. Doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share it and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. That's good. I am not just shadow boxing. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. The title of this whole passage that I just read from 1 Corinthians 9 is called, Paul Gives Up His Rights. What the Lord wants to say to his people is this. We see that the heart of Paul, we see the heart of Paul in this passage. So God wants to ask you, how is your heart? How is your heart? How is your motives? Because we see Paul's heart, Paul's motive here. I'm not going to dig deep into it, but there are parts of it that I really repeated because that's a part that God wants to highlight to some people. Okay. I want to read uh, Matthew twelve thirty four to 40. It says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. As I was reading this passage, I just, I smell bread. And, you know, I believe that what God is saying is that it's the yeast in the bread that helps the bread rise. Right, So if there's good yeast in the bread, the bread will rise and be nice and taste well. But if the yeast is not right, you will not be able to have a good bread. The same with this. Remember in the word of God that the Lord warned, warned his disciples to be, to be careful about the yeast. Right, I want to find that passage about the yeast of the Pharisees. It's in Matthew sixteen twelve. After after they did the the miracles, what did he say? He said, "What is the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees?" Jesus Jesus tells us it is hypocrisy, spiritually prideful, and self righteousness. Right, we see it in Matthew sixteen. Six, it says, be careful, Jesus told the disciples. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And that's the example here is that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. What is the yeast in your heart? What is the yeast in you? We see that Paul was very transparent here as an apostle. He was like, yeah, you know, I can preach and get money from you, but that's not the cause of my preaching. He laid it all out in 1 Corinthians 9. Okay, 
Ibn King Solomon said it best. He said what? Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4.23. Right? Proverbs 4.23. So, I want you to know that it's important to recheck your heart. How is, how is your heart? How do you guard your heart? We see in Matthew um, 5, 13 to, to 16. This is a great way to learn how to guard your heart. It says here, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So how do you guard your heart? You do not become tasteless. You do not hide your light. Instead, you walk in the spirit. You walk in the spirit and you walk with in, in wisdom. I want to read this and then we're going to move on to Joseph. James 5.20 says, Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. I want to leave you with that, that whatever you do, have a motive of, I want to turn somebody from sin and from their error. And really ask yourself, are you the person that you want to turn? Because it's hard for you to see the sin in somebody and help them change if you've not seen the sin in you to help you change. The Bible does not, you know, we, we don't read the Bible. The, the, the Bible reads us. The Bible reads us. The Bible reveals us. So if you want to help somebody come out of sin, you have to first ask yourself, are you yourself in that same sin? Because you can't help somebody see if you can see yourself. That's why it says in the Word of God that you have to take the speck out. Of, you have to take, if you want to take the speck out of your brother's eyes, you first have to take it from your own eyes. Right? It says in Matthew 7, 3-5, How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plunk in your own eye? Right? So first, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So it's important that you really go into the Lord and ask the Lord, How is your heart, and how do you guard your heart? I want you to read Matthew 5, 21 to 26, and then Matthew 5, 17 to 30. Okay, so I shared what God wanted me to share, and now we're going to move on to uh, the story of Joseph. Okay, I'm going to play a song, and I just want you to just take a moment to just sit in front of the Lord and really ask Him to show you your heart, show, we, show you your heart posture, 
show you the motives in your heart concerning your enemies, concerning your friends, your family, your church, even yourself, and even your motives to him, God himself. And ask him, how do you guard your heart in this season? Like how you saw Paul guarding his heart in 1 Corinthians 9. Because yes, he said a lot of things to them. But he, he, he remembered why he was an apostle to the Lord. So whatever your title is, if you're a mom, a mom, a dad, an aunt, a friend, a husband, wife, a, a co-worker, a boss, you know, an apostle, a leader, whatever your title is, a son, a daughter of God, whatever your title is, I want you to sit quietly before God and really ask him to show you your heart posture. Just say, Holy Spirit, show me my heart. Okay, and I'm going to do this with you guys. So as we listen to this song, I'm doing that too. All right. So let's take this moment before the Lord. I want to burn 
So we took time to listen to this song, Refiner by Marvick City. And I hope that you took time to just really ask the Lord these questions of God. How is my heart? How do you see my heart? How do I guard my heart? And as I was um, before the Lord as well, he wants me to read these Bible verses on heart. Proverbs 15 well, I'll say this first. Proverbs fourteen thirty says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Proverbs four twenty three says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs fifteen thirteen says, That's what I wanted to read. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but... Heartache crushes the spirit. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Proverbs 27.19 says, As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. 
Proverbs 28, 14 says, Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. Matthew 9, 22 says, Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. And so I believe that God wants to heal the heart of his people today. I wanted to go on and preach about Joseph and read and talk about Genesis 39. But I really feel led to just end it here and just let the Lord minister to you. Um, I believe that this is a moment God want to deal with the heart of his people. So I want you to go back and read these um, Bible verses on the heart. Uh, you can also go back and read about uh, 1 Corinthians 9 or whatever passage God is you know, leading you to read about concerning your heart. That when you took time to really sit before him and listen to Refiner by Maverick City, that he gave you a verse or maybe a chapter or maybe a book in the word of God that you can go and ask him to show you your heart, basically to show you you um, and, how, and how to guard your heart the right way. Some of you, it might be self-control. Some of you might be through worship. It might be through prayer. It might be through, you know, memorizing some Bible verses that you just tell yourself, you know, throughout the day. You meditate on the Word day and night, okay? So really just seek the Lord in that. I really wanted to go into teaching about um, Joseph in, you know, Genesis 39, but you can, you guys can read that. So when we come together and we learn about it, um, you have some revelations about it before we even talk. And one person that the Holy Spirit is leading me to tell you guys is to look at the story of Samson. Samson and Delilah. Yeah, look at the story of Samson and Delilah. You know, you can see the heart posture of both of them in this passage of, in the story of Samson and Delilah. Delilah had a deceitful heart, a heart to see a man fall. And that's similar to, you know, the spirit of Jezebel as well. Um, and Samson was a man who, who lacked discernment and wisdom. Um, a man who thought he was untouchable, you know. So um, I believe this is what God wants to sum it up, that you are to read about Samson and Delilah, and you can um, find about you know these two people in the Word of God. Um, I believe that the spirit of Delilah is the sister of Jezebel. Seriously, um, but you can look in the Word of God um, in Judges sixteen. Judges 16 and read about the story of Samson and Delilah. We know that Delilah betrays Samson. So um, just read that. God want to talk to you guys about that. You can learn some wisdom there. And it could be a reflection to some of you. You might have been letting the spirit of Delilah use you to weaken somebody or to, you know, work with the enemy of somebody. 
um, that I really have a strong uh, feeling about this. I, I shared this on my Facebook, but I never shared it um, on my podcast. So please go and look at it and let the Lord minister to you as you read about this in Judges 16. Have a blessed day, and we will talk again next time. Please read Genesis 39 when we come together and learn more about Joseph, who is out of the pit and heading to Egypt to Potiphar's house. Blessings to you guys. Thank you so much. Share this with somebody that you think will be blessed by it. Have a blessed day.
the choice 